0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the BICOM podcast. I'm Roni Gazit from the BICOM team, and I'm delighted to be joined by Raith Alomari, who is a senior fellow at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy's Irwin Levy Family Program on the U.S. Israel Strategic Relationship. And previously, he served as an advisor to the Palestinian negotiating team during the 1999 to 2001 permanent status talks, in addition to holding various other positions within the Palestinian Authority. So, Ray, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Ronnie. It's a pleasure.
0: So, perhaps we will start with the most obvious, which is that we are talking today on July 1st, which uh, many have termed Annexation Day and is the earliest date that Israel could make a decision on annexing parts of the West Bank. But it looks like this day is coming and going without much occasion. We see that in Israel, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's coalition partner, Benny Gantz, has opposed annexation. And we also see that there's still ongoing talks between the Israeli government, specifically Benjamin Netanyahu and the US administration about the extent of annexation, what it will look like, and no decision has been reached. But what is missing from these discussions and these talks is the Palestinian Authority. So perhaps Ray, given your experience, you can talk to us a little bit about what the position of the Palestinian Authority has been towards annexation, as much of an obvious question as that may be. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, obviously the Palestinian Authority is fundamentally opposed to annexation. It's opposed to annexation both uh, I mean, as, as a political uh, matter, but also it goes deeper than that. I mean, the Palestinian Authority was founded for one reason, to be a transitional authority uh, in charge of leading the Palestinian people through negotiations, through diplomacy, to achieving independence and statehood. And annexation uh, undermines this very fundamental uh, message and uh, mission of the Palestinian Authority. So for the PA, this has been uh, seen as a fundamental, as an existential threat to its very foundations. By the way, this is something that Hamas picked up on. And Hamas has been for the last three weeks consistently messaging that annexation shows that the PA and the Oslo process and diplomacy... Are useless. So the PA uh, is using basically a three pronged approach. It uses a diplomatic approach, uh, working with the Arabs, with the Europeans, with the UN to try to create an international front against annexation. It is, uh, secondly, trying to mobilize its public, and so far with very, very limited success. And uh, finally, um, by severing relations with Israel, both security and civilian. It's trying to uh, confront Israel with a glimpse of what things would would look like if annexation were to happen. No security cooperation, potential for a PA collapse, and all of these uh, things. So this is the PA's approach. But so far, it's been an approach with limited success because the PA's ability to uh, 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 implement this strategy has its own built-in limitations.
0: So... Talking about this, you uh, the security coordination between Israel and the Palestinians. Many people in Israel talk about uh, how essential that is for the stability and security of the West Bank for for everyone that lives there. And despite you know the PA saying that they halted coordination last month, there are rumors that this is still going on and that there's local cooperation. So how damaging do you do you think this decision to stop the coordination? really is? And do you think that there's a way back to resume uh, this type of coordination at a higher level?
1: Let me start from the uh, end. Um, Resuming cooperation would be extremely easy. I mean, every Palestinian security official, uh, high security official, has on speed dial the numbers of their Israeli counterparts and vice versa. And as you mentioned, there continues to be informal uh, contacts. And I would add to this as well that uh, there continues to be co- uh, coordination today through third parties, whether it is the U.S. security coordinator, a three-star general who is uh, on the ground there, through the ICRC, the International Red Cross Committee, and many other uh, channels. So restarting it would not be difficult. Uh, but, uh, and also one of the reasons that we have not really felt the impact of this uh, severing of security uh, cooperation is the fact that the PA said from the outset that they will continue fighting terror. So even if there is no cooperation, the PA continues to uh, fulfill many of the functions, uh, thwarting Hamas uh, infrastructure, uh, returning Israelis who stray into Palestinian areas. So the PA is unilaterally uh, doing what uh, it has been doing for a long time. All of that said, there continues to be a lot of uh, concern because with, with the passage of time, many of these practices might fray, many of these relationships might uh, uh, cool down and this kind of autopilot approach works when there is no major crisis and so far uh, you know uh, luckily we have seen no major crisis security cooperation of the kind that we were used to in the past is most effective when you have a crisis whether it is a terror attack whether it's an escalation whether it is any of things of these sorts this is, I think, if, God forbid, we get to, to one of these moments, this is when we will feel that the, the, the cost. And I can tell you that Israeli security officials, those that I've spoken to recently, are very worried about this particular scenario.
0: So so looking at these, these crises, these, these moments where security cooperation and coordination is, is really useful, what... There is a lot of concern that any Israeli move to annex parts of the West Bank may, may lead to violence. And, and people warned of this when, when the U.S. moved its embassy to Jerusalem, but we didn't see much come out of that. So how different do you see this Israeli move uh, to annex parts of the West Bank, and how concerned would you be over potential violence?
1: It's, it's very different on at least two, uh, two levels. One is the move of the embassy to Jerusalem was not an Israeli act.
0: Right. It was an
1: American act. And as such, while people were unhappy about it, uh, they were really, I mean, the Palestinians did not direct their anger at uh, Israel. Uh, mm-hmm. The action they took was vis a vis the United States. Um, this is an Israeli, purely Israeli act. And also, frankly, the, the uh, impact of annexation. And here, again, we're, we're, it's a difficult statement to make because we actually don't know what annexation would look like. Big, small, uh, large, uh, limited, etc. cetera. Uh, this would, if, it, if it, the annexation takes place in its most expansive way, this could kill the two-state solution, uh, make it completely impractical on, on uh, you know, logistical uh, grounds. And so the, the reaction is will be very different. Now, what it did to violence, we absolutely have no idea. If you look at opinion polls, and you have to take opinion polls with a bit of with a grain of salt, but if you look mm-hmm. at opinion uh, polls, uh, they say that the Palestinian public, on the one hand, is uh, extremely opposed to uh, annexation. On the other hand, it really has no uh, appetite for more violence. People are still uh, scarred from the uh, results of the Second Intifada. Understand that violence ultimately uh, does not work to the Palestinian interest. Yes, there is a lot of anger We don't know uh, though if it will translate to violence that said, you know, as as history has shown us uh, even if the public does not have a great uh, Appetite for violence things can take a life of uh, their own all of it takes is uh, a number of uh, confrontations leading to high casualties for a couple of days you end up with a cycle of revenge and often a public that is uh um, checked out which is really how i would uh, describe the palestinian public today this apathy could very quickly turn into uh, anger and if you have a palestinian authority as we have today that does not have the moral authority to rein its people in and the security forces that are not getting paid that uh, um, are in a mindset as they are today then the possibility of things spinning out of control is real. Though, again, I would not be alarmist, and I would say today uh, polls show us that the public does not want violence. But Mm -hmm. again, as I said, this could change very quickly.
0: Circling back to to comments you made a little earlier about Hamas and and their approach or reaction to to annexation, we we saw last week that, that Qatar said that they would halt aid to Gaza should Israel decide to annex parts of the West Bank. And this Qatari aid has has been critical to much of the stability or, you know, keeping any type of outburst um, from happening in the Gaza Strip. So how concerned would, would you be if that aid stops coming in uh, and what steps the international community might be able to take to help the gazans
1: first of all uh, um, i find it uh, very problematic uh, when uh, the qataris come and say you know to confront annexation we're going to punish the palestinians Mm -hmm. Uh, this is this is there's something uh, wrong in that uh, uh, statement that said i am not frankly too worried Uh, The Qataris have said things like this before, and they continued paying for Qatar uh, aid to Gaza helps them in two ways. It helps them in showing, you know, uh, their their constituency, which is very much a Muslim Brotherhood constituency, that they continue to support, quote unquote, the cause of the Muslim Brotherhood. Remember, Hamas is a Muslim Brotherhood organization. And frankly, for the Qataris, uh, the aid to Gaza has been a roundabout way of establishing relations with Israel. The Qatari envoy spends more time in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv than he does in, uh, in uh, uh, Gaza. So I'm not worried. Yet, Yet I would say that if uh, the Qatari aid were to stop for whatever reason, then uh, that is a major cause of concern. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a major cause of concern on many levels, on a humanitarian level. It's, it's huge. Gaza has been teetering on the edge, and this has been one of the uh, things that has been uh, keeping Gaza afloat, it's also very concerning from a security point of view. In many ways, what we saw over the last maybe year, year and a half, is a tacit understanding by which uh, the Gaza Hamas leadership, uh, particularly their Gaza uh, uh, chief, uh, guy called Yahya Sinwar, uh, they have basically uh, reached an understanding uh, that as long as the economic situation continues uh, to be stable, uh, whether through Qatari aid, whether through Israel uh, relaxing some of the uh, structures on uh, movement of goods in and out of Gaza, they will con- the, the Hamas will, co- will uh, curb the violence. And if we end up with a situation where the economy starts uh, uh, spinning out of control, then Hamas will be uh, under pressure and will have the motivation Uh, to uh, actually go back, not only to the kind of border skirmishes that we saw in previous months, but maybe even to something more escalated. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but the international community, there's not really much more that can be done. Many uh, European countries do not want to do what the Qataris are doing because uh, much of the Qatari money goes to Hamas and no European country that I know would be willing to fund Hamas. Um, And frankly, the amount of money that is in uh, question is one that Again, no other donor country besides uh, the Qataris, I believe right now, given COVID and all of the other priorities, can pump into Gaza. So the Qatari um, uh, aid is is key. And, it's the, and if it were to end, then uh, I worry that uh, we will see a very fast deterioration in Gaza and a very violent deterioration in Gaza. Mm-hmm.
0: So turning our attention a little bit east now, uh, y- you've spoken about Jordan and their reaction to, to, uh, to Israeli annexation. Can you talk to us a little bit about what what the response has been so far and what has been indicated in terms of what Jordan might do um, should Israel annex parts of the West Bank and, and what impact that may have on its peace treaty with Israel?
1: Uh, of course. I mean, uh, for Jordan, first of all, I mean, annexation would... Uh, Threaten some of uh, uh, Jordan's national security, you know, core national security interests. And I think this is an important point to make because I th- I've been hearing from, especially from the Israeli uh, kind of right leaning voices, that, you know, Jordan will do absolutely nothing. No, for Jordan, if this happens, it will be forced to act because it feels that some of its core national security interests will be uh, threatened. And already Jordan has uh, made it very, very clear to Israel and to the international community that Jordan will act uh, in a very robust way. Just, I think, this week or last week, uh, the chief of Mossad, the Israeli uh, uh, intelligence agency, yeah. was in Jordan, met with uh, the king, and the message he received was extremely clear. There will be a high price to, be, uh, to pay. Now, that said, uh, Jordan also understands that it has strategic interest in its relations with Israel, primarily security. But also uh, water and energy, uh, which Jordan gets uh, from uh, Israel, according to uh, the peace treaty and according to uh, later agreements that were signed. And Jordan will not uh, jeopardize this. So Jordan will play from within this kind of uh, this this margin of maneuver. Um, but it has a lot that it can do. At a minimum, Jordan will, if there is annexation, will withdraw uh, its ambassador and expel the Israeli ambassador. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan will also. Uh, lead, and it has already started leading, the international effort against uh, annexation. I I mentioned earlier that the Palestinians' ability to conduct their diplomacy is limited, their skills and capacity is not particularly impressive. Uh, The Jordanians are actually extremely capable. We've seen them mobilize uh, some of the Arab actors. Uh, The king has been in touch with the Emirati uh, uh, deputy, I mean, the Emirati crown prince, who's the actual uh, leader of the Emirates with the Saudis, Mm -hmm. Qataris, uh, Bahrainis, uh, others. In Europe, uh, Jordan has also been uh, playing a very delicate but so far effective uh, uh, game in Washington, not confronting the administration, but mobilizing its vast uh, uh, networks uh, here, particularly in Congress, both among Republicans and Democrats. So Jordan is uh, probably, we will see Jordan leading a diplomatic effort Severely reducing its uh, diplomatic relations with Israel, but I do not see rupture, and I do not see Jordan uh, heading towards a confrontation that will impact its other national security uh, interests. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Jordan, you know, if I were Israeli, I would uh, worry very much about uh, this. But no. again, Jordan has always been a very uh, reasonable, moderate country, and will not do anything that is rash. Mm-hmm.
0: So perhaps we're going to end with with one last question, which probably isn't a short question. But looking at the question of succession within the Palestinian Authority, and you've recently uh, co-authored a study on this called "Palestinian Politics After Abbas," which I would encourage all our listeners to to read. So. Could, could you give us perhaps a brief assessment of, of what succession look like looks like, um, what a post-Abbas world looks like, and what might happen to the PA the, the day after Abbas is gone?
1: First, thank you very much for plugging the uh, article. Uh, of course. Um, you know, as a spoiler, uh, I guess uh, I would say that uh, the short answer to your question is we have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Uh, and that's for a reason Abbas had made it very uh, Very intentionally Had ensured that there is no clarity When it comes to succession And he's been leveraging that uh, To his own uh, Interest As a result of this When he departs the scene And you know uh, When biology takes uh, its, its toll, uh, mm-hmm. We will end up with a vacuum With a vacuum that has No clear successor um, the inclination of the leaderships of the Palestinians, particularly the Fatah movement, uh, will be to uh, get together and to choose one among them, most likely the oldest, uh, sickest, least ambitious uh, of them all, uh, to be a front uh, to that. But this is the best case scenario. One can draw other plausible scenarios where uh, these uh, contenders cannot agree among themselves and we end up with a protracted uh, uh, Succession battle uh, that could even turn uh, violent, and that would be a recipe for tremendous uh, 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 instability. Now, um, any leader who will come after Abbas, even the most moderate of them, uh, and some of them are indeed moderate and pragmatic, will uh, start from a very weak point of view, a uh, weak starting point, uh, whether it is because of the bad economy, because of the image of the PA among its own public, because of annexation and will be unable to make any major moves, will be vulnerable. But more, more worrying than this, and I will conclude with this point, uh, the more worrying is, you know, look, strong institutions are capable of absorbing uh, major shocks. And we saw that with the PA itself after the death of Arafat. It was still a strong, politically strong institution, and it could uh, manage that uh, transition. The PA today is extremely weak. Its legitimacy is in question. Among its own public uh, internationally it has lost its path and it has no clear direction economically it's in bad shape governance wise it's known as uh, corrupt when you have weak institutions major shocks can uh, uh, trigger a collapse and this major shock could be annexation uh, a succession could itself uh, be one of these major shocks and I think what I would uh, advise at this point is to look at ways of stabilizing the PA uh, of uh, of dealing with these sources of uh, lack of legitimacy so that when we get to a point of succession, you will have a strong institution that is capable to navigate uh, such a disruptive uh, event.
0: Well, Ray, thank you so much. This has been very insightful. Uh, I'm sure all our listeners will agree with me and we're really grateful for your time.
1: Thank you, uh, uh, Ronnie. It's always a pleasure.
0: Thanks.